You are listening to the EdTech Takeout from Grantwood AEA, an educational service agency that supports school districts in eastern Iowa with a focus on equity, excellence, and efficiency in education for all children. Welcome to the EdTech Takeout. My name is Mindy Carney. And in the blue corner, weighing in at 180 pounds with a record of 12 wins from 12 amazing episodes... From Glasgow, Scotland, it's the Prince of Podcast, Jonathan Wiley. Woo! Oh, I like that, Mindy. <laughs> that was fun. Oh, it was fun for one of us, for sure. Yeah, well, yeah, I enjoyed it too, though. So I, I think we should do more of these types of introductions. You do, where we just specially recognize you on the introduction. Wow, it, I think it's only fair we take turns. So yes. you know. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, whatever works best for you next week would okay. be uh, would be fun, but adds a bit of a, a bit of a spice to the podcast. It does. I like this idea. Yeah, I just hope we have enough inspiration to keep <laughs> it going for more than two weeks. Oh yeah, my brain is already. Uh... My brain is already uh, spinning, thinking about it. Okay, so we are back. We don't really have anything uh, to talk about from last episode, do we? Because last episode was just like a catch-up, summer review type of thing. So no follow-up, really, to speak of. Right, I don't think so. I think we probably just hop right in and get started on our um, hot topic for today. Okay, so hot topic for today is one that comes up a lot. It's one that comes up year after year, I think, on different times with different research and different people saying different things. And that is screen time. Screen time. How much is too much? Uh, depends who you ask, I think, doesn't it? It does. It does. I, you know, I, um, I always have my opinions about things. And so uh, I looked up some research just to see what um, was being said about screen time. And you know, research, you can make research say whatever you want it to say. So um, I think what I, some of the stuff I read, I think really made me think as an adult, the amount of screen time that I have and how much is too much. And then from there, it kind of trickles down to students and to my own kids. Um, and it made me kind of think about our screen time policy at our house. Do you guys have a screen time policy at your house, Jonathan? You know, we don't have anything official, but, you know, between the two of us, my wife and I, we, we police it as much as we can. I think, you know, you and I were talking about this earlier, but like on, on school days, there's there's not really a whole lot of time for them to have screen time. Um, you know, by screens, we're including TVs, iPads, you know, whatever, basically, but there's not a whole lot of time for them to do that during the week. And especially in these summer months, we really encourage them just to go outside and play and enjoy the weather while we can, because... Here in Iowa, our winters are dark and cold, and we don't get outside very much. Right. Yeah, we, um, this summer, uh, we've never tried, well, we've tried not to do a ton of screen time in our house, um, but on the weekends, we always kind of let our kids have, that's when their screen time was, so we didn't do any during the week, uh, and then only allow screen times on the weekends, and so... Uh, one thing I noticed about my kids when they were getting a lot more screen time on the weekends where it was a little bit more unsupervised is that I did notice them getting kind of like growly and crabby when they had to get off the devices. 
And yeah, for sure. I I just thought this okay, so this isn't working. I need to think of something else. And so for the summer, uh, the only way my student my students, my well, and my kids, my kids got screen time is um after a checklist of things. So they had to finish up their chores, of course, first. And then from there, we had like a little maker spot in our house where they could grab stuff to make something or they could do Legos. They had to write or color and and um, I made my list long enough that for the most part, my kids never really got through their list. And so we really surprisingly, minus a little bit of TV here and there, were like screen free for the summer. Good for you, Mindy. I, um, I mean, I think it gets it's getting harder for parents partly because of schools. And I, I'm going to qualify that statement in a bit because, you know, with, with more and more schools going one to one, then, you know, kids are potentially getting a lot of screen time right, at school. Right. And the kind of things that they're doing at school are are not always going to be what they would choose to do if they had uh, screen time of their own, like free choice screen time, mm-hmm. um, because they're working on schoolwork or they're doing assignments or right. they're doing things that they're having to do to uh, keep up at school. But then when they go home, they might want to, hey, I'd like to check my social media i'd like to you know play with this game or play on that game and mm-hmm. you know then that just adds to the screen time they've had during the day right. so yeah i read a, an article by um a blog post by george kouros recently i think that summed up a, a lot of what i think a modern approach this might be and that's for he entitled it quality versus quantity absolutely yeah yeah and i think about um students and Um, In my classroom, I was trying to go as paperless as possible with still knowing in my head, like kids still need to draw with markers and crayons and things like that. We took a lot of pictures of those things. But um, I do think that when you're using technology, it really needs to be meaningful and there needs to be a reason why you're using it. And um, that's why in my classroom, I got rid of a lot of like the math games or like practice games, things like that, just because I felt like they weren't meaningful activities for my students. We did a lot more creation apps. Um, so I, I think too, even um, as teachers, we really need to look at what technology our students are using and making sure that the technology they're using, the reason we're using it is because without it, we couldn't be doing that. Does that make sense? I kind of talk myself yeah, in a sure. circle. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. it's... It's like talking about like a passive use of technology versus an, an active use of yeah, technology. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to put it, yeah. I think I've, I saw this example somewhere where it was like, you know, you could sit your kid in front of the TV and let them watch Sesame Street and they would probably get something out of it. But it's it's a fairly passive experience in terms of how they interact with it. But if, if you sit down with them and you're like, oh, what what else what else do we know that's the color orange or whatever? And we're looking around the room and we're talking and we're interacting with them and making them think a little bit deeper about what they're watching. Then that's a more active use of, of that screen time. So yeah, it's a tough one. Yeah. You know, it's what, it's one of those things that um, the American Academy of Pediatrics were saying a few years back that kids under two shouldn't watch any screens at all. And now they're coming out and revising that a little bit yeah. and saying, well, it, it just depends on what they're doing and trying trying to keep a balance. I think a balance yeah, is, right. is, is the key here. Yeah. Well, and I think I told you about this. I saw this uh, article on Facebook that um, someone had posted about how your brain using technology looks the same as someone who's addicted to cocaine and how the brains look the same. 
And to me, I don't, I don't feel like it's the same thing because, um, well, just because I think being addicted to cocaine is a little bit of a different thing. But if you're seeing changes in your students or seeing changes in your children that make you think like something with how they're interacting with this technology is changing their personality or changing their attitude about things, using your common sense as far as, oh, you know what, we need to reevaluate how we're using technology or how much screen time my students are getting or my kids are getting. Um, it's all about common sense and balance. So you just, you, you know, have to be kind of watchful and um, thoughtful about, about the use. So. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's absolutely a danger of, you know, technology being used in order to promote a more antisocial behavior among mm -hmm. our kids. But I think at the same time, we have to remember that it's particularly teenagers today. I mean, that's probably one of the biggest ways that they do communicate when they're right. not face to face with people. They're always they're still learning communication and, and getting in contact with their friends and they're using the technology for that. So I mean, yeah, it's it's a balance type of thing. There's there's that image that you'll see every so often on social media of um everybody sat on a train with yeah. a newspaper. Nobody's talking to anybody, right. nobody's looking at the next person and they're all just staring at their newspapers mm -hmm. and that's in the age before screens but right. you know have we just replaced our newspapers with uh, phones and things like that I don't know right. so. well and I had read something too about um, you know the fact that teenagers do use technology so much um, and how much time they spend on social media maybe isn't as much as we think it is and then in fact girls are on social media more than boys are but what they really like to use um their technology for is like listening to music and watching you know netflix um right. but that teenagers crave so much social interaction that in fact they're probably having more social interaction now than they were previously because they're constantly connected to one another and maybe it is um, fulfilling more of that than what um, previously they were getting, but it's still just a different kind of social interaction. And I yeah. you shared that really cool video that's called Look Up, you know, and it talks a little bit more about um, finding ways to interact with one another, not through a screen. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so screen time, not evil, no. but... Be mindful right. of, you know, how much your kids are, you know, getting exposed to it. I mean, if you're like a middle school teacher and you're always using the computers, but, well, maybe in another class they're always using the computers. In another class they're always using computers. But then at home, what do they do with it? So, yeah, as proponents of technology and the ways that it can enhance teaching in the classroom, we would probably not come out and say that uh, screen time is, is evil. But, yeah, yeah, try and be... Try and have a balanced approach. Yeah. yeah. Find ways for kids to interact with one another next to each other, problem solving, planning, interacting with one another, and still using the technology. Perfect. Perfect. We've solved the world problem. Well, the discussion can now end. Let's hope so. <laughs> All right, so up next, our main course, Served Piping Hot, is student blogging platforms. Yeah, this is a good one. I think this is something I get asked about quite a lot. Um, we're doing a, a class with some teachers in the Grantwood area here called the Digital Learning Institute, and we're getting the teachers to 
blog about their experiences in that class and use it as a reflective tool. But, you know, the question quickly came up as to, hey, I'd like to do blogging with my kids. What are my options? So we're going to look mm-hmm. at some of those options today and uh, talk about, I don't know, why why blogging is an important thing for, for kids to experience. So, yeah, we, I mean, it's... I think blogging is really important in a classroom. It gives students kind of the opportunity to reflect on their learning and explain their learning. And we know that students that explain their learning often deepen their understanding of of a concept. Yeah, and I saw this somewhere. I wish I could remember the exact way that it was said because it just popped into my head. But, you know, the difference between when students are producing a piece of writing and if they do it for the teacher, because the teacher asked them to, then they make sure that it's good enough, all right? But if they're having to do it so that their peers can read it or their parents are going to read it or other teachers are going to read it or other students around the world are going to read it, then that kind of ups their game a little bit and they actually try a little bit harder and they realize, whoa, okay, so it's not just my teacher because after a while the kids get to know, you know, what's the minimum standard that this teacher will accept before they send it back to me yeah Yeah. i mean you always have some kids that will try and and try that out you know what's what's Uh the minimum they're going to accept but if you're putting it online for a more authentic and a wider audience then yeah it gives them a bit more motivation as well in some of their writing yeah it raises the bar for sure yeah and you know we'll, we'll get to commenting and things like that later but you know one of the things that people i think um struggle a little bit with when they're blogging with kids is you know who how do you get kid other kids to read those blogs and to see them and make them visible and all that kind of thing and i think one of the best ways i've seen is there's a there's a hashtag going around on twitter called comments for kids and it's comments number four kids and if you you know put that at the end of your tweet and say something like hey my class just wrote some blog posts they love some comments please, you know, if you get a minute, drop by and do that. And they put hashtag comments for kids on there. Then, you know, that encourages teachers and other students or whoever that wants to go in, read some blog posts and leave some comments for kids. And, you know, when I have some spare time, when I see those things on Twitter, I I do that. I think that's an awesome thing to do. I love to go on and see what amazing topics students are writing on. And I know the kids really appreciate the comments. So comments for Mm -hmm. kids hashtag is is a, a great thing to have as part of your blogging toolkit. Yeah. Well, and what I love about this topic today is that I get to talk about Seesaw again. Wow. It's like we just <laughs> managed to shoehorn in every opportunity to uh, talk about Seesaw. I know. I feel it's it seems silly to me to keep talking about Seesaw, but I mean... It's one of those very seesaw. flexible tools that has a lot of different options. Yes. So. Thank get you. in there, Mindy, and tell us uh, okay. what are the blogging options with Seesaw? So I feel like uh, I've talked about the Seesaw blogging option before, like way back when they added this, probably, I don't know, maybe it was in the fall of last year. No, because we, yeah, when did, well, I guess we started the podcast in January, so I've talked about it since then, but um, just a little bit more about the Seesaw blog. Uh, you obviously have to have a Seesaw account. You can have the free account. Uh, it's not a paid service or an extra with a paid um, subscription. So you can have it with your free account. You have to go in and enable the blog option um, within your settings. And it's just a little flip of the switch. It's no big deal. You get to uh, choose your 
URL, I think you get to add in, like I would do like Team Carney blog or something like that. So the blogging and thing is not on by default then? It's something you physically have to turn on? It's not on by default, okay. right. Something you have to turn yeah. on, um, but it's quick. It, it takes like 30 seconds, uh, which is super nice. And you can either password protect your blog or you can open it up so anyone with the link uh, can see it. I doubt... I don't know if you could just like Google Team Carney's Seesaw blog and it would pop up on Google. Uh, but if you share the link, uh, anybody can view it. Uh, so the way that the Seesaw blog works is that if, you, if you're not familiar with Seesaw and if you listen to this podcast, I don't know how you're not. <laughs> but uh, if you um, are using Seesaw, any of the artifacts that your students put in can be posted to the blog uh, just by them making the request. So there's just a little, once you enable the blog underneath each artifact, there's like different options um, of things that you can do. You can share it, you can edit it, things like that. But there's a little blog button that pops up uh, when you enable it. And students then can choose like, this is something that I want to go on the blog. And so they would just tap that button and then uh, teachers have to approve, I believe, have to approve everything that goes to the blog. Students just can't post things on their own. Uh, and so then the teacher goes in and approves it, and then it just pops up on the blog. One thing is uh, that with the uh, blog post, students' first names and maybe their last initial, I think their last initial too, and then their profile picture. So if you're using actual pictures of your students, Something to, you know, be thoughtful of depending on what your school's policy is with, uh, you know, posting student pictures online and things like that. Okay, so I have a question for you. Yeah, go ahead. So, you know, Seesaw is primarily based around this kind of e-portfolio type idea. And right. so they pick something from their e-portfolio that they want to put on their blog. Is that right? And then they just pin that to their blog. Is that how that works? Yeah, right. So, um, yeah. They're inputting pictures or video or audio or uh, so it could just be an artifact of their learning that they're posting or they might use the text option and actually, you know, write a blog post right. about something that they've learned. Yeah. And then they just tap a button and it goes to the teacher. Hey, I'd like to put this on the blog and she approves it and it just goes straight to the straight to the blog. So if they bring in something, I don't want to say like an image or something that they had on their their portfolio side of things can they then um like write some comments about it and say this is what i did in art today we were looking yeah. at this artist and this technique that mm -hmm. they use and you know talk about it that way yeah they can um so with a picture if they have a picture they can do audio they can do annotations and they can do text as well like a descriptor of um yeah, the picture. They're, it's really nice. Are there any limitations on the blogging side with the, the free platform versus the paid platform? Or do you get access no. to all the mm -mm. same options? Yep. Nope. The blog is just the blog. It's the same regardless of what kind of account you have. Um, the other thing that's really nice with the blog is that Seesaw is really encouraging classrooms to connect their blogs to one another so that students can read um, other students posts from different classrooms. And the really nice thing is that you connect those blogs, but so students can go to other classrooms blogs within Seesaw. So there's not having to know 
a link or having to type something in or having anything bookmarked. It's all within uh, the blog portion kind of for Seesaw. So they just click on the little button and then all of the uh, blogs that your classroom is connected to show up there and they can just tap on another classroom's name and it takes them straight to the blog so they can comment on it and read other students' blogs. I like that. Have you heard of yeah. um, Have you heard of quad blogging before? No, what's that? Um, it's something that this uh, guy came out with, I think, um, and it was... It's a system where like four classes get together and it's over a four week period. They do some blogging and each week there's like one like focus class. And so that class um, will create some blog posts and write about some things. And the other three um, classes will go in and visit and read them and comment on them and, hmm. and do things like that. And then on the next week, it kind of rotates around and the second class sure. does it. And then the other classes or kind of the supportive group, and then the third and the fourth. So I guess yeah, that's, that's cool. kind of similar yeah. to what Seesaw are thinking about with uh, yeah. you know, connecting other classes together because, I mean, that is the hardest thing. I mean, you, you can you can write a whole bunch of blog posts with your students, but if they think nobody's reading them, then right. they, lose, the point? they lose the motivation to, yeah, to, right. to write these things for sure. Yeah, I think it'd be really neat to kind of communicate with teachers with from those other classrooms and be like, hey, do you want to work on a project together? Or, hey, we're learning about this. Do you want to learn about some different aspect of it and then we'll create a bunch of blog posts to teach one another about different concepts or I don't know I I just think the possibilities are really endless when you when you're connecting your blog with another classroom and you're right that commenting on each other's really makes it much more authentic for kids all right so what about you oh and mine's free did I say that I think we mentioned that once or twice oh yes okay here yeah um (laughs) So yeah, Seesaw is great. Um, anything else you want to say on Seesaw or are you happy to move on there? No, I'll move on. Do you want to talk about your affiliate link? or? No, no. that's okay. Okay, you'll just put that in the show notes? Yes, I'll yes. just print my show notes. Okay. Make sure you scan it. I want a hoodie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so another uh, free-ish option for teachers to do student blogging is one that I actually did with my kids when I taught fourth grade. Um, So this one's been around for a little while because I've been out of the classroom now for five years. Um, This one is uh, Weebly for Education. So there's a couple of sites to the the Weebly site. So this isn't Weebly.com. This is the Weebly for Education that was specifically built for schools. And, you know, it's, it's a really nice platform here because, you know, you could have your kids build websites or a blog or a website that has a blog or, you know, one or the other. And it's super nice because, you know, it does work on multiple platforms now. You can get apps for mobile devices and everything is drag and drop. So if you're thinking, Mm -hmm. I don't know if my kids could build a website or do a blog, it's it's as simple as you want to put some text in, you drag the text block over. You want to add an image, you drag the picture icon over and then you can add an image. You want to add a YouTube video, drag the YouTube element over and... It's just very simple and very easy to build and um, put together that way. The Weebly for Education account supports an unlimited number of uh, blogs, um, but you get 40 for free mm-hmm. and um, you get full comment moderation. So you can moderate all those comments. You, you can have a, like a really open 
blogs, you can have moderated ones, you can have really, you know, lockdown private closed conversation ones, and there's no advertising or, or anything else in there. So, um, okay, so I have a question. Yeah. Okay, so you, I think you said that you as a teacher have the website, right? Yeah, you can. Is it like, like an umbrella then? So then all of the students would have their own blog, but within that website, how does that work? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you get like a teacher dashboard um, uh-huh. so that when you log in, you see all your student websites and mm-hmm. you can click on any of them at any time to view them. Um, you can set it so all the comments come to you for moderation if you want. And uh, so you get to see everything that's posted, whether it's appropriate or inappropriate, and make sure that that doesn't appear on the kids' websites if you don't want to see it. So that, that's it. a nice system. Yeah, it is. It's very user-friendly. How, how young would you go with that? What's your recommendation? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, I don't know, with the right uh, support or, or help. you could. I mean, you could definitely do this from second grade upwards. You might be able yeah. to do it first graders and see how it goes. But, um, yeah, it's just... Well, just, if anything, you could set it up just as a teacher and then the kids could just create a blog post and you could just copy and paste it for them. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah, absolutely. if yeah. worse came to worse and it wasn't working out and you already had it set up, you're like, I'm going to hammer this out. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, I did this for a couple of years with, with students and, um, yeah, but I, you taught fourth graders and they did it right. Yeah. But and yeah. I, I'm trying to, I did it with the, the free account as well. So that, you know, yeah. I, I told my kids we're going to do it for this year when the next year's fourth grade comes in, I'm sorry, but I'm going to wipe out your accounts yeah, <laughs> and, that's true. and yeah. we're going to do it again with the next students. Cause I only had like those 40 student accounts. So you can't change ownership and like pass that blog on. So, but you could do that like within your school, right? And then have set it up with like an account. Yeah, I mean, they, they could, could finagle that a little bit. Well, I'm just thinking you could set up your your website under like a classroom email address, yeah. right? So you could do like class of 2000 at gwaa.org and then that would be the account that it was signed up after and then just continue to pass that email account along. Mm, very much, yeah. You could pass it on to the next teacher yeah. um, and just set up a, a new Weebly account with new yeah. students. I don't know if that's breaking Weebly's rules, so I guess we should, I don't know if we can endorse that. If people were to explore that option by themselves without the... <laughs> without the endorsement of Grantwood AEA, let us know how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> However, there there is currently a way that you could get more student accounts, and um, this is something I'm I'm just going to get on my soapbox a little bit about this. No. I mean, I know nobody from Weebly is probably listening to this podcast, but I'm going to put it out there in case anybody knows anybody that works for Weebly because um, if you sign up for Weebly for Education, I think they're bringing this program to an end from what I hear. Um, you do get what's called an affiliate link, okay? So similar to Mindy's mm-hmm. Seesaw link, if you sign up for Seesaw with Mindy's link, then you get something. Yeah, but I just get a hoodie. I just get a hoodie. Yeah, but teachers get a benefit <laughs> from that too, don't they? Yes, yeah. they do. So the the idea with the Weebly link is, um, you know, if you sign up, if I gave you my affiliate link for Weebly, then uh, you signed up with that link, you would get an extra 10 student accounts, okay? And I would get $10 towards my Weebly Pro account, okay? Mm -hmm. So I wrote a blog post on this about, I don't know, three years ago, and I basically said, look, I don't have kids in in my class anymore. I'm working with Grant Wood, so I I don't need this stuff. But if you want extra accounts and you want to sign up for Weebly, here's the link, sign up for it. 
and get it. I'm not going to use any of the affiliate dollars or anything for pro accounts because I don't have any kids to use it with. So I didn't. Mm -hmm. And I kind of forgot about that, Mindy. And mm -hmm. I keep, every so often I used to get these emails coming through saying, hey, so your friend has joined Weebly and yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Um, I decided to check on it the other day and I have over $1,000 in affiliate credit. Your your blog post must have went viral. Well, I don't think, I think it's just over time people have just like sure. clicked on it and stuff. So that means there's been like over 100 teachers or 100 something. 100 times though, that's well, a yeah. lot. Yeah, so 100 people have signed up for it through that link. And you know, a Weebly Pro account is like $40. I mean, mm -hmm. so $1,000 of over a thousand dollars of credit. I mean, that that's like a lot of years of pro accounts that I'm not going to use on Weebly. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I maybe I, you should start blogs for your kids. You know, I could start blogs for my grandkids with all that. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. They've got a lifetime membership because I know dollars goes a long way. Yeah. So here's the thing: I, I wrote to Weebly and I said, "Hey, you know, I don't teach in the classroom anymore. It would be awesome if I could just like donate some of this credit." to teachers yeah. so that they could purchase more student accounts and that they mm -hmm. could use it because I'm not going to use it. Right. And Weebly wrote back and they said, unfortunately, there is no way to transfer referral credit to accounts at this time. Wah, uh, wah. I know. So I was kind of disappointed. I mean, I, if anybody has any bright ideas for how I could use $1,000 of Weebly credit, <laughs> which is really very excessive it. when the paid accounts are like $40, but... um. Yeah. So I don't it know. has to be an account signed up through your email address because that money is tied to your Grantwood AA email address. I don't know if it was my Grantwood email address or not, oh. but it's yeah, it was whatever email address I used to sign right. up for for the Weebly Education mm -hmm. account, which is probably changed over over the years. I probably changed that email address, but um, yeah, it's what it is. I'm afraid, but yeah, um, if you want if you want ten extra Weebly accounts, then Awesome. We'll put the link in the show notes. It's not going to do me any good either way for the referral credits, but uh, maybe send... Let's go for $3,000 of unused money. Yeah, there you go. Jeez. Send Weebly a tweet and say, wouldn't it be awesome if yeah. Jonathan Wiley... Let Wiley just empty out his account and put it into mine. There you go. Yeah, and get them yeah. all the good reasons why that would yep. be awesome for, for you. And, you know, it'd be awesome if I could just say, yeah, here's 30 free accounts for you. Here's yeah. 30 free accounts for you. And then, you It'd know, be like Oprah. There you go. You get an account. You get an account. You get an account. <laughs> oh, shoot. So, yeah, I like Weebly. Weebly's awesome. We, I mean, yeah. we use it for the website that our podcast is kind of published on. We use it mm -hmm. for our blog. We use it for all kinds of different stuff here at Grant Wood. So, yeah. I mean. So user-friendly. Yeah, we like Weebly. So, we're happy yeah. to give them a shout-out. But Yeah. Um, yeah. Come but on. let the money go, Weebly. Come on, let Weebly. The do, the, do the right Come thing. Come on, Weebly. Do the right thing. Yeah. All right, so any other options? I mean, there are tons of different options out there, but any others worth mentioning? I mean, we really believe in Seesaw and we really believe in Weebly, so, but um, anything else out there? I used to use KidBlog. You know, yeah, I have, way used, back in the I day. have used KidBlog too. Um, yeah. It's one of those things that's gone over, like, it's changed over time. Um, yeah. Because it used to be. I haven't used it since it's been paid for. Yeah, there's there's yeah. no free option anymore. It used to be right. it was free, and then it was like free, and then there's a paid option for schools, and now it's yeah. all paid, isn't it? Yeah, I I think maybe teachers can get in for free, but then you pay for your student licenses or student subscriptions or whatever. Yeah, and it, so it, I think you as a teacher can still get in for free, but 
it's not all that expensive when you think about it, no. really. I mean, it's $39 per teacher per year. Per year, right. At the yeah. moment. And they have a deal that's going on through September 30th. But, you know, and I think pretty much inside of that, you get unlimited accounts. Yeah. Um, there's a free trial for 30 days. You can go in and check it out and see how it works. But, yeah, I mean... You know, they have to keep the lights on like everybody else. So yeah, absolutely. They can't I mean, give I, this I stuff think away. our days of super free stuff are slowly going to go away. Yeah. But it's it's you a know. popular platform. People yeah. teachers have used it a lot. Um I think it's based off of WordPress and um they put some kind of skin over WordPress so that, mm -hmm. you know, it's more user friendly for, for young kids to use. But yeah. um yeah, if you haven't tried KidBlog or seen or seen KidBlog, then yeah. uh, it's kidblog.org. You can go there and check it out. Sure. The other thing, um, I think I tossed this idea at you, and I think you looked at me kind of funny, but I think you could even do just like a Google Doc that's, you know, just shared. So if you're not really interested in getting started in some sort of platform, you can still publish those Google Docs to the web or share links with parents and have kids just have a folder that's open or the Google Doc is open and it's just like a continued running list of blog posts. But, you know, Google Docs, you can really make those look like web pages if you really mess with it enough yeah. um, without too much effort. So, yeah. I mean, that's a free, easy way to um, if you're just looking to kind of get started, I don't think it's a bad option. I, you did give me a funny look when I suggested it though. You know, I, it's just something I hadn't really considered before, but you know, that, that's you, Mindy, you're, you're one of those think outside the box people. So uh, I am. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think the nice thing about Google docs is that, um, the sharing options on there so that yeah. if you really wanted, you could, you know, specifically only invite certain people and right. lock it down a little bit more. And, you mm -hmm. know, so yeah, you've got a lot of the similar types of things on there. There is a commenting feature yeah, inside of Google right. Docs, so people will leave yeah. comments. So it's not going to be in the same type of comments, like a right. a blog post where they're at the end, but right. you know, it's just a different way of commenting. So I can yeah. see how that could work. Yeah. Well, and even if you just want to get started and have students within your class commenting on each other's stuff, I mean, that's an easy way to do it too. I mean, it's all right. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. It's just an idea. And just off the top of my head, I mean, if you're not yeah. um, a Google App School, I think right. you could probably do some some blogging t along those lines in something like OneNote with Microsoft, yeah. um, for sure. And then you know share that out with different people. I think that would be a, an interesting option too because that's accessible on the web as well. So and yeah. free, and we like free. Yes, we do like free. Mm -hmm. So I have to bring this up because I. Um, was reading articles like, oh, what's something maybe I haven't thought of before? And I happened to look up, uh, I found this article about using Tumblr. Now that's one a... I would really roll my eyes at for sure. <laughs> so I was like reading the article. I'm like, huh, this is interesting. Now, I am going to say that I had never been on Tumblr. It must be a generational thing. I don't know. But last, like last spring, one of our co our teammates and I signed up for Tumblr together. We're like, we're going to really check this out, right? So I still don't really understand Tumblr um, because I haven't really been in there and kind of lived in the world. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go back into Tumblr because I really haven't looked at it much. And um, what I will say is my Tumblr um, article was or blog post was about colleges or universities using Tumblr as a blogging platform. 
Um, I went into Tumblr and saw like four or five inappropriate things within the first 30 seconds. Yeah. Um, so, but I kind of like the idea behind using Tumblr as a blog because you can use all sorts of media. And what I saw mostly were memes mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. people were kind of, uh, commenting underneath the memes, whatever. But I kind of thought, you know, if you gave just the premise of Tumblr could be used somewhere else and maybe not necessarily in Tumblr, but giving kids a topic and then they can use whatever media they would like to react to that topic, even if it is memes or little um, clips of YouTube videos or GIFs or whatever, and then explaining why that meme was being used in reflection of that topic. And I thought, huh, it's kind of a different way of expressing yourself. And it's how kids are communicating with each other um, these days. So I kind of, I liked the idea of what the blog posts looked like in Tumblr, just not the content that I saw on Tumblr. Yeah, I think it would be a use with caution type of deal. I mean, in some ways, it's comparable to something like YouTube, where, yeah, you could use it, and there's a lot of good stuff on there, but at the same time, there's bad stuff on there, too, that you didn't want people to see and access, but I would maybe suggest that Tumblr is a little bit worse than that, and that the balance of good versus evil is maybe not in your favor. Yes, I am not recommending Tumblr for any school, um, K-12 for sure, Uh, but I think I kind of like the thought process behind using multimedia for reflection on a topic or something like that. It just kind of made me think, huh, I had never thought about allowing students to use memes or whatever to show their opinion about something. I don't know. It's just kind of interesting. I completely agree. And that would be uh, be a good tactic to try with uh, Weebly or Seesaw or KidBlog. Yeah, you could put it somewhere else. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. All right. So that kind of rounds up our student blogging picks. If you have a platform or tool that you like to use for student blogging, please let us know. Um, podcast at gwaea.org is our email address. You can also find us on Twitter and um, let us know because we'd certainly love to have more options and, and share options with people. So let us know what you're using. So that takes us to my favorite part of the show, Tech Nuggets. And I went first last time. So your turn today, Mr. Wiley, Dr. Wiley. Uh, thanks for that. Yeah. <laughs> so I see uh, I see four things on this list here. Does that mean we have two oh, yeah. each? Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm going to start with one here. This one is called Podbay, and it's kind of a podcasting pick. Have you heard of this one before, Mindy? No, I've never, I've never heard of it. Mm-mm. All right, so somebody was asking me recently about um, podcasting in the classroom after something I tweeted, and they said, hey, my kids all have Chromebooks, so mm-hmm. how can they listen to podcasts? Mm-hmm. And I was like, ah, oh, how can they? Because they don't have iTunes. They don't have right. other ways to go and listen to stuff. So podbay.fm is a website where uh-huh. you can go and you can search for a podcast and you can listen to it on the web. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of cool. I mean, so you could go to podbay.fm, type in the EdTech Takeout and listen to episodes of the EdTech Takeout on any device that supports a web browser, presumably. So... um 
very nice. They have Pod Bay for iPhone. Yeah. They also have Pod Bay for Android. But you know, for schools that maybe you know thinking about how can I get my kids listening to podcasts and sharing podcasts and uh, talking about podcasts? If I can assign a podcast for homework for people to listen to, you know, how could they listen to it on those devices? This could be uh, a good option for them. I'm not sure you're going to know the answer to this question, but does Podbay pull from iTunes or from Podbean? I mean, how does it get our podcast? Podbay pulls from the RSS feed that each podcast has, I believe, and just puts it into the player. Right. All right, so my turn. Go for it. Okay, so this one comes from um, Josh Allen, who I had the pleasure of meeting this summer at iPadU. Turns out he um, could be one of my favorite educators. He is such uh, a nice guy, isn't he? He's such a nice guy. He's oh, so fun. Always got yeah. time for him. Yeah. Um, so check him out on Twitter if you don't know who he is. I, uh, I'm i not sure what his uh, Twitter handle is, but I'll put it in the um, show notes. But Anyway, he did like a AR VR session that I sat in on and he showed me this Libraries of Life app, um, which is really neat. And the way it works is that you print off triggers um, from the website and I'll put the links of, to those in the show notes. So you print off the triggers and you use the Libraries of Life app, kind of like Erasmus, you know, so you hover it over the picture and then the... Um, picture like comes to life and turns 3D so you can see it through the iPad. It pops up and then um, it has like little videos and stuff that you can play about the like praying mantis is the one that I mostly remember. And so the praying mantis like pops up out of the page and you can see it through um, the iPad and then behind it you can push like a little informational video. I don't think they're YouTube. I think they're just videos through the Libraries of Life app. But um, we did it in our Ice Smackdown and people were really impressed. I tell you, I was it. on the opposing team for the Ice Smackdown and yeah. I was really impressed. Yeah, super cool. So if you're needing something to get your, like snap your kids into attention, like, oh, I'm losing them today, just pull out those paper triggers and use your Libraries of Life app and they will be right back with you. But um, yeah, definitely something to check out. Super easy to take care of. Uh, you just download the triggers, print them out. There's quite a few, too. I don't remember how many, but um, yeah, put them in a center for kids to check out. Get them excited about learning about some insects or some animals, things like that. Love it. Good idea. Yeah, good one. Okay, so my pick is My Simple Show. Have you heard of that one before, Mindy? No, no, this is new to me. Okay, so it's mysimpleshow.com. I heard about this from Bev Burns, who mm -hmm. used to work at AEA here in Iowa, and she's now principal in elementary school. Um, it's a video creation tool that lets you create instructional, educational-type videos in a common craft style. You know what common, common craft, craft is? No, common craft. What's that? All right, you, mm -mm. I bet you've seen these videos, Mindy. Uh, no. They're not as popular as maybe they once were at a time, but okay. there was a video where you know people would cut out shapes or icons or pictures of things that they were talking about, and there would be a hand that comes in and pushes it on and then moves it to different parts of the screen, and in between scenes, the hand would sweep things away. So, what? I mean, there's a lot of, you know... Um, teachers who have done videos in those style and try to recreate them with students. It's kind of a low-tech way of creating a video. Um, but my simple It's not like stop motion, though? Not stop motion, no. no. It's huh. still live mm -hmm. action. 
Um, okay. I'll send you a video and let you see what one okay. looks like. But okay, thanks. Um, yeah, <laughs> my simple show kind of mimics that style, except makes mm -hmm. it a little bit easier because you don't have to first, you know, draw out what it is you're talking about on paper and then cut it out and then put it on the screen because they have a whole bunch of different like icons and pictures and things that you can drag onto your screen. They even have a virtual hand that will push it on there and clear the the desktop the desktop workspace for you too. So. I think it's I kind really of interesting. Check that out because I have no idea what you're talking about. I'll check it out. It is completely free though, which okay. is good. Oh, I like that. Keeps you know with our theme of, of being free. So they have some video examples as well. We'll put one of those in the show notes for you to take a look at. It's called okay. mysimpleshow.com. My Simple Show. All right. So to round off the tech nuggets, um, new thing for me this summer, which I think Stacey Beamer showed us. Um, I think she was taking a class in her professor or her instructional leader, whatever um, class she was taking, used Recap, which is by Swivel. And um, I checked it out and I think it's pretty cool. So the way it works is that um, teachers create an account and they pose a question or a series of questions. And then the students respond to those questions through video and uh, it's open to Apple devices, Android devices, or you can use it online. And then teachers can watch those videos like through a daily reel, or you can pull them up and watch them um, straight through. And then you can stop the video and add feedback so students can read feedback from you. And then if you wanted to share that video, you can get a web link for it, or you can directly email it like to parents or something with like the ability to add a little note like, hey, this is what Johnny did today. Uh, really great way for students to explain their thinking. Like some of the kids had like a whiteboard behind them and had drawn like a written a math equation and then stood and explained why they worked the problem the way they, the way they did. And you just don't get the time as a teacher, I feel like, to talk as much as you want to, to talk to each student and have them explain your thinking, their thinking. And I think recreate, re, if I can speak, recap is a great way to kind of get all of those verbal responses from your students and, um, and then the ability to give them feedback too. So really great one. Check that one out. Yeah, that is a good one. And uh, I think when I saw Stacy using it recently, she did it at iPad U. Is that right? Yeah, she did. Yeah, with all of the people who, all the teachers who took it as credit. Um, they just did a daily reflection, and then she just sat at night and kind of ran through all of those reflections uh, and gave feedback. So she really liked it. I think she thought it was pretty efficient. Uh, I don't know if it's something that you would do every day because obviously it's going to take some time to sit and listen to all of those reflections. So you maybe want to be thoughtful about, um, yeah. you know, if Grey's Anatomy is on that night, like, oh, I don't have time to watch all if if what's on Grey's Anatomy? Grey's Anatomy. I don't think I've ever watched one episode of that. Oh, well. Am I missing out? I guess you're not American. <laughs> the whole of America watches Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> okay. No, I, you know, I mean, but I, I'm just saying it would probably be kind of time consuming to sit, depending on how many students you have, and listen to two minute videos for each student. But it'd be a great way to assess your students, I think, or get formative assessment. Um, yeah, it's. Always, everything has its time and place, so it's a good one. Good, good. I like that one too. And I don't know if you mentioned it or not, but tell me, Mindy, is Recap free? Yeah, it's free. 
Oh, good. More free stuff. More free stuff. Yep, yep. All right. That brings us to the end of the show. Are you superstitious, Mindy? No. Good. This is episode 13. Oh, yeah. And I guess that could have gone badly, but I think it went pretty well today. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I agree. Pretty smooth today. Pretty smooth. Oh, as he just bumps the microphone. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we very much uh, enjoy hearing from you, the listeners, and we do get emails and tweets from people uh, thanking us for doing the podcast and for uh, giving us ideas for future podcasts. Please keep those coming. Uh, podcast at gwaea.org is our email address. And you can find Mindy on Twitter at Team Kearney. I am at Jonathan Wiley. If you enjoy the podcast, I know I haven't said this for a while, please leave us a review on iTunes because we very much enjoy having those, but it also helps people discover it and uh, think that this is something that they could listen to and enjoy too. So until next time. This has been the EdTech Takeout. We hope it hit the spot. For more information on today's episode, please visit dlgwaea.org slash podcast.